church. Are you awake today? I'll tell you what, folks, this is going to be a blessed day. And uh, we're blessed. Is it Grace Community Church? Fellowship, okay. Caleb and Kaylee, were, when they were in Kearney, went to a wonderful fellowship. And these guys at that time were worship leaders there. Now they're traveling all around, and it worked out so great for them to be here because Abe, you know, with the wedding and everything. So you're in store for some blessed worship today. Amen. They have two boys, Aiden and William. Stand up. Wave at everybody. <laughs> They have a CD out there. It's Lift You Up, Drew Weir. And uh, you're going to really, really enjoy them. So I, I encourage you to go out there and, and purchase that before you leave today. And it will bless your day when you start your week. This week as I was um, studying the scripture, a scripture jumped out at me in Romans chapter 1 and verse 11. And this is the scripture for today. Say that. This is the scripture for today. There's going to be plenty of other scriptures, so don't get mad, Apostle Mike. But this just went off in my spirit. And I want to read it to you from Romans 1.11. The Apostle Paul states, For I long to see you, that I may impart unto you some spiritual gift, to the end that you might be established. See, the, the Apostle Paul had something to impart to the Romans. A spiritual gifting to make them stronger. And that's what's going to happen today. There's going to be a spiritual impartation. So I want you to be alert. I want you to have your hearts open to readily receive what all that God has for us today. Let's stand up. Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank You for this day. Every good gift and every perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights in whom there's no variableness nor shadow of turning. We thank You, Lord God, for the spiritual impartation that You have for us today, individually and corporately as a church body through our worship and through Apostle Mike's message. And so, Father God, we thank You that our hearts are alert and we expect to receive all that you have for us. Spirit of grace, this day we welcome you in Jesus' name. Amen. Can I just teach you this chorus today? Just come on with me. Here we go. It's real simple. We say this. We lift you up. We lift you up. Jesus, we lift you up.
two, three, four. Me. 
intro. Two, three, four.
two, three, four, five, six. Father, this morning, we declare your greatness. We declare your glory. You deserve all the honor and all the praise, Lord Jesus, our King. The King of kings and the Lord of lords, you're worthy. And all God's people said, He is worthy. Amen, amen, amen. You may be seated. What beautiful worship. God bless you. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. What we're going to do this morning, we're going to receive this morning's Harvest Church's tithes. If you want to get the lights, please. Harvest Church's tithes. And then what we're going to do is bless Apostle Mike. Amen. We're going to bless his socks off this weekend. Amen. You'll have that opportunity this morning at the, the end of the service and then also tonight. We've already blessed them. This worship team will be blessed generously. Amen. And uh, our goal for this weekend is to help Apostle Mike and his organization. Amen. And what he's doing all over the world. So, ushers, if you'd wait kindly upon the people. If you need an envelope, there in the back of your chair there. Don't forget, if you'd love to have a CD by the Weir family, they're back there on the counter. Amen. I don't know how many years Apostle Mike's been here. We were talking about that. It's been every year's another year. It's adding up. Thirty, more than thirty years. And we were talking about relationships. And Kathy and I and my family have been blessed to have relationships with a few great men and women of God. 
and he and Ethel are two of those people. Now, listen today, because he'll, he'll give you a little promotion on, on the book that he wrote. But I know that it's going to be a word in season for every one of us, individually and corporately. Amen. Let's stand our feet and welcome the Apostle Mike Keese. There we go. Wow. I think I'm on. Well, Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for the uh, opportunity to gather together today. We thank you, Lord, for the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. We thank you, Lord, that we have spent fruitful time in praise and worship. We thank you now as we approach your word, we do so in reverence and respect. And we thank you that this word is a living thing. It is sharper than any two-edged sword. It will pierce to the division of soul and spirit, joints and marrow, and is a discerner of our thoughts and intent of our hearts. And so we thank you, Lord, for this today. And we thank you, Lord, for freedom in America to gather together like this anytime we want to do whatever we want without the fear of oppression or arrest or worse, as it is for many of our brothers and sisters worldwide. We do not take these freedoms for granted. We thank you very much for these things. And we ask you to use us in whatever ways you see fit in these last days as we reach the end of this age. The time is running out. So we thank you, Lord, for a mentality that gives you the ability to work with us and through us in these last days. In Jesus' name, everybody that agrees with that prayer said together, Amen. Amen. Okay, everybody, you can back up and park. Have a seat. And please forgive the cowboy hat this morning, although I do wear these things a lot. Um, I went to the dermatologist a few days ago, and he kind of went crazy on my head. So that's why I'm still wearing this thing, but that's all right. I left my horse at the airport. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. While we were driving to the church from the hotel, Pastor Mike just told me that this is their 40th anniversary of pastoring in this town and in this church. Forty years. I think that deserves a hand clap. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. I've been around for 44 years serving Jesus, and I can tell you that longevity speaks. Okay? Everybody's a soldier in the army of the Lord. When we got saved, we were drafted into his military. And as such, we are all players, and we should never be just spectators. But at the same time, I, I want to be around people who have proven themselves over time. They've been hit, they've been you know, wounded, they've been backstabbed, they've been you know, everything that goes on in ministry, but they are still in the race. They haven't quit, they haven't given up. And this couple here would be on my short list of people that I highly respect and understand that uh, the best is yet to come for each and every one of us. Amen? Best is yet to come. We are just hitting our stride, and it's very, very important that we understand some things about what that means for us personally in terms of responsibility for the Lord. Now, if you've heard me speak here before, and like Pastor said, I think we've been here for more than 30, possibly 35 years, and counting, okay? Uh, we don't preach fluff messages here. We preach messages that will uh, challenge people, keep their swords sharp, 
for the end time race in which we run. We cannot afford to be double-minded, melbatose, milksop, camouflage, cupcake Christians. We need to be boat rockers and wave makers, shakers and movers for Jesus. Time is running out, and we need, you know, we need all hands on deck. Anybody interested? Praise God. Amen. Yep, I am too. Thank you, Father. I want you to turn with me to start today's message to John 14:15. A very simple statement, a very short verse. We are working to get back to the Philippines. I was talking earlier with the brethren here, and, and uh, we haven't been back since January of 2020, three and a half years. But at the same time, my wife will be going in August for three weeks. She's the trial balloon. We're going to find out just what happens when she goes, and uh, she'll come back after three weeks to give me a, uh, an intelligence report as to what's going on over there so that hopefully we can get back and uh, we do and we will schedule summer mission tours. Now, your church has gone on those years ago. But I want you to know, if you have it in your heart, to come over to the Philippines and work with us for 10 days of crusade outreach. We already have three mission tours scheduled for Ju uh, June, July, and August of 2024. It is on the calendar. Okay, we are going to just believe God that all of these COVID restrictions, all of these quarantine obstructions and mask mandates and all of this stuff will be gone. In the name of Jesus. So if that's something that speaks to your heart, we'll be passing more information on to you through our website and through uh, Facebook and YouTube and all of those other uh, avenues of outreach to give you more information. But there will be one in June, one in July, and one in August next summer. So if that's something that rings your bell, we'd love to have you join us. If you do go on those, pastors go on, on those, and a couple from the church have too. And they'll tell you that it's life-changing when you lay hands on people and you see miracles. Through your hands, not the pastor's hands, not the missionary's hands, but yours, it does something to you, changes you. Okay, so be aware of that opportunity coming down the road. John chapter number 14, verse 15. Jesus makes a very simple statement. If you love me, how many love Jesus? Amen. How do we prove it? Keep my commandments. Very simple. It's not rocket science. You don't have to go to a Bible school to figure this out. You don't have to study the Greek, the Hebrew, and all of these lexicons and things. All of that's wonderful, and I, I do the same. I study from such things myself. But there, th this statement is too simple to misunderstand, and I like it because it is simple, and it cannot be mis misunderstood. If you love Jesus, you prove it, not by church attendance, not by being a good person, not by selling Girl Scout cookies, but... Keeping his commandments, finding them and keeping them, finding them and keeping them. That's how you demonstrate to him that you love him, okay? I can say I love Jesus, you can say you love Jesus, but the litmus test is this. You find and you keep the commandments that God puts in the word, and if you don't know what those commandments are, you can't keep them because you don't know what they are. So... Uh, the little mini book that I'll talk about at the end talks a lot about this. Okay, I've written ten books. This little one at the end, this book number ten, is in my opinion the best book that I've written. It's not the biggest book, but it's the best because of the times in which we live. Okay, we need to understand, friends, that like I said a moment ago, when you got saved, you were drafted into God's military. You may not see yourself that way, but that's how God sees you. Okay. 
Most Christians don't think of themselves this way, but God does. The Bible is a military manual. Okay, it's all about war, spiritual warfare. We use the terms spiritual warfare, okay, weapons, you know, the helmet of hope, the breastplate of righteousness, the shield of faith, the sword of the spirit. These are weapons to use. And then the, the enemies of the gospel are listed for us there to see and to understand and to be aware of, to be wary of, okay? It's all about, you know, pushing forth and pushing into the kingdom of darkness and affecting things for the kingdom of God. This is warfare here, okay? And as a result, commandments are given. Jesus is the commander-in-chief, okay? I'm in the military. I hold the rank of brigadier general in the Philippine Army, commissioned officer with that particular army unit. And uh, I can tell you that, you know, when the general gives commands, the soldiers that rank under the general do what they're told to do. They don't stand there and say, I'll think about it. Let me, let me go back. Let me get back to you on that one, general. Okay, that's not how this works. Okay, and Jesus is the commander-in-chief. When he gives orders, he gives commandments, they are to be kept. Does everyone understand what I'm talking about? Okay. You know, on, in, in, on the, in the Philippines, you know, in the bases, the military bases, we have base commanders. Base commanders. They're not base requesters. They're not base suggesters. Okay? They give commands. They don't give suggestions and they don't give requests. Okay? And this is how Jesus wants his church to function this way. Okay? So, having said that to you, go with me to Matthew chapter 8, verse 18. Matthew chapter 8, verse 18. Now we're going to read this from Matthew, and then we're going to flip over to Mark chapter 4 and read more of this incident from Mark's gospel, because he adds details that Matthew does not include. Okay? Matthew 8, verse 18. When Jesus saw a great multitude, or saw great multitudes about him, he gave a command. Everyone say command. Okay, he didn't give a request. He didn't give suggestions. He gave a command to depart to the other side. All right, he gave a command. We're going to the other side of the lake. Get in the boat. Okay, now, when he gave the command to cross over, the devil heard it and began to plan ways to prevent him from reaching the other side. Okay. Having said that, flip over with me to Mark chapter 4, which is the same story. Mark chapter 4 and verse 35. And we'll read from 35 to the end of the chapter. And then we're going to go back and look at this story and see what the parallels are that can apply in your life and my life so that at the end of the race that we run for Jesus, we stand before the Lord someday and we hear him say, well done, good and faithful servant. That's what I want to hear. I hope that's what you want to hear. Amen? Okay? I don't want my life to be a waste of time. I don't want to be just a body in chairs in someone's church on Sunday morning, a brother blend in, a pastor popular, someone who is not affecting anybody for the kingdom of God. I don't want to be that kind of person. I want to be somebody who makes the most of the life I've got because you only go around once. The Bible says we are appointed unto, you know, to die once and then comes judgment. It doesn't say then comes a second chance, third chance, fourth chance. You don't have that. This is it. So let's make the most of the time we've got. And here in Mark chapter 4, verse 35, 
This is the same story that Matthew was talking about, but he's got more details here for us to see. Mark 4.35, On the same day when evening had come, he said to them, Let us cross over to the other side. Okay, now Matthew added the word command, which is a very important addition to this. But here he says, let's cross over to the other side. Now when they had left the multitude, they took him along in the boat as he was. And other little boats were also with him. Verse 37. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat so that it was already filling. 38. But he was in the stern, asleep on a pillow, and they awoke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Then he arose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still, and there was a great calm. But he said to them, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said to one another, Who can this be that even the wind and the sea obey him? I like stories like this in the Bible because they always... Uh, reveal spiritual parallels. John said in his gospel that if we tried to chronicle every miracle that Jesus did in three and a half years, the books of the world could not contain all of them. He did miracle ministry nonstop, three and a half years, 24-7, every day, every week of his three and a half years of public ministry. Multitudes of people were healed. Multitudes of blind people were healed. Multitudes of demons were cast out. You know, the Bible says the books of the world couldn't contain it all if we tried to chronicle all of them. But that tells me then that these that are in here, the ones that are specifically listed in here, are in here for specific reasons. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John didn't write just what they felt to write. They were inspired by the Holy Ghost to write what He told them to write. So the Holy Ghost handpicked these stories. Handpicked them. Okay? They're not in here just because he didn't have something better to do. He selected these stories. So every time you read something like this, you're going to draw from this not just what happened in the natural, but how it applies to us in the spiritual realm where it really counts. So in this parable, in this story, I should say, I'm going to give you nine things, and we'll, you know, we'll talk about this today and tonight. We're not going to try to ram, jam, and cram. But the point is... I can draw from this story at least nine parallels that I can take and use so that I finish my race stronger at the end than when I began my race, and in my case, 44 years ago, 45 years ago, okay? Listen, I've been around a few times around the block. I've seen people come. I've seen them go. I've seen them rise. I've seen them fall. I've seen them shoot up like, like you know, shooting stars and rockets on July 4th and then burst and disappear and you don't know who they are and what happened to these people. I am going to finish this race. How about you? I'm going to cross the finish line. And when I cross that line, I'm going to be stronger at the end of this race than I was at the beginning. And I hope that's your goal too. Okay, because I can't live your life for you, and you can't live my life for me. I can encourage you, and you can encourage me. But at the end of the day, our lives are our own responsibility to manage by the leading and guiding of the Holy Ghost. Okay? All right. You know, in the, in the Philippines, we train soldiers. You know, and these men go out on military maneuvers. Okay? And many of them are Muslims. And we have these base meetings, you know, these, these parade meetings on the base camps and so forth. And I'll speak and I'll tell them, I said, you know, you, you, you people need to know that Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior. I'm talking to the whole assembly, not just the Muslim soldiers, but them included. 
And I said, you better know that Jesus Christ is Lord of your life because you're going out on military maneuvers and there's a good possibility you won't come back. And if that's the case, then you need to leave this base knowing that Jesus Christ is Lord of your life, knowing that you are secure in Him. This is not the time to wonder about it. Okay? And so we give people a chance to give them, give their lives to the Lord. But I tell them, I, you know, I'm your commanding officer, but I can't make you get saved. You have to make the choice yourself. But I'm telling you that if you make the choice, you have for yourself eternal salvation and an assurance that if you don't make it back to base, the next person you're going to see is Jesus Christ himself and you'll be with him forever and forever. That's how we do base meetings. Okay? So, on the same day. Now, if you go back and read the whole chapter, which we won't take time to do, obviously, I think Mark chapter 4 is one of the most profound chapters in the whole Bible. There's so much in that chapter about sowing and reaping and the seeds and what happens to the different seeds when they get sown in the ground. There's four examples there. Okay, You can go back and read all of this for yourself. But it says at the end, on the same day, let's start there. Okay, First of all, the lake that they cross, that represents life, our life, the life we're living. That's the lake we're crossing. Okay, And in essence, God has commanded us to go to the other side, to go from where we start to where we finish. We're going to cross the lake. Now, the lake represents the life we live. Wherever we're placed on planet Earth, in this case, here we are in Norfolk today. Okay? Last week I was in Arizona. The week before that it was Illinois. The week before that it was Ireland. The week before that it was New York City. I'm always moving around. And, you know, the point is wherever God places you, that's where you're running your race and that's where He wants you to be effective for the kingdom of God at that given time. Okay? So you need to know that the life we live basically is boiled down to four basic things. It's what we think, it's what we see, it's what we say, and it's what we do. Those four basic elements uh, encapsulate our entire life. It's what, we, it's what we think, it's what we see, it's what we say, and it's what we do. That means that's our life right there. When you're crossing the lake, you need to have a handle on what you're thinking, what you're looking at, what you're saying, and what you're doing. Okay, most Christians are just basically clueless people. They love the Lord. We're not criticizing anybody. We're simply uh, observing and commenting upon the fact of the matter that most Christians are just people that love God in a general sense, but they're not usable. God can't use them. He wants to use them but they're not qualified to be used. Okay, they haven't qualified. They've disqualified themselves with many decisions that for some other time we could talk about all of that. But the point is, every day when I spend my time with the Lord, the first thing I do, I get up in the morning, I go to my prayer place and I get on my knees and I start talking to the Lord and asking Him to guide me and help me and so forth. First of all, every single day is one day closer to seeing Jesus. You should start your day with that thought in mind. I'm one day closer. Okay, one day closer to seeing Jesus. One day closer to the end of this life. Okay, one day closer. No matter what kind of hell is going on in my life, I'm still one day closer. That should put a, a, a smile on your face and some assurance in your heart. This life will end. And then we step out into eternity. And if you really want to fry your brain, understand that you're never going to cease to exist. You will live forever. Cemeteries are not full of people. Those are full of 
of the bodies that they used to live in. They're not there. Their bodies are there. What's left of them, okay, they're either in heaven or hell. When you die, when you step out of your body, you go up or you go down. And whichever way you go, you're going forever. There's no parole board hearings in hell. You're gone. And everybody in hell, if they had one more chance to get saved, if Jesus came down there and said, I'll give all of you one more chance to accept me, hell would be emptied in 15 seconds. Everybody would accept him, but they'll never, ever, ever get that chance. They're gone in a lake of fire sooner or later. That's where they're going to spend etern eternity. Would you please understand that term? It's been my experience in 44 years of serving Jesus, people have not taken the time to understand what is at stake here. They haven't. If they really understood what's going on and where they're going to go, based upon the choices they make in their life, what they think, what they see, what they say, and what they do, if they really understood things, their life would be radically changed. You wouldn't have to have pastoral counseling. They would counsel themselves. They would self-monitor. Okay? Someone say amen. Alright. On the same day, verse 35. On the same day. The same day what? The same day when he was teaching throughout the whole day at the top of the mountain he was preaching he gave the parables and if you read uh, look at verse 33 back up one two verses to the 33rd verse it says with many such parables he spoke the word to them as they were able to hear it but without a parable he did not speak to them and when they were alone he explained all things to his disciples so not only did he teach and preach to the crowds the disciples didn't understand what he was talking about, so he pulled them aside after the teaching in general to everybody. Then he had private meetings with the disciples all during that all during that day. So I mean it was a it was a meeting from the sun up to the sundown. So it says, On the same day when evening had come, so he's been doing this all day long. He said to them, Let's cross over and Matthew says they commanded, they were commanded to do this, cross over to the other side of the lake. Okay. Now when they had left the multitude, they took him along in the boat as he was. Notice the phrase, as he was. What's that mean? He's exhausted. I've done meetings like that in the Philippines in 100% humidity, 99 degrees Fahrenheit, 100% humidity, preaching in jungle environments, flies everywhere, you name it, all day long. I've done seminars, 18 sessions. I got news that at the end of the 18th session, I am whipped and done. I'm exhausted. I know what this is like. I've been there. Okay? He was tired. He was not just tired, exhausted, beyond tired. Okay? So first of all, first thing to realize from the story, the same day he did the teaching, on the same day when he tries to start to cross the lake, this is when the attack came. Okay. Back earlier in the chapter, he talks about the fact that immediately when the seed is sown, Satan comes to try to steal it. He didn't say Satan comes a week later. Satan comes a month later. Satan waits until you've got your act together. No. He comes the same day. When you get revelation knowledge from God's Word, don't be surprised when immediately all of hell comes against you. Don't, don't act like it's a surprise, like what's happening here. Expect it. Okay. We have churches in the Philippines between 275 and 300 churches that I'm responsible to cover. And when these pastors come into my office to get counseling, which isn't going to last long, I guarantee, I don't do, 
don't believe in long councils, don't have to. Just find the verse and give it to them. Here, do that. Be warm, be filled, and be gone. In the name of Jesus. I'll tell these pastors, they'll say, you know what? Whoever told you pastoring was going to be some kind of cakewalk? Some tiptoeing through the tulips? Okay, whoever told this to you? You can't find this in the Bible and you won't hear it from me. You're going to get shot at. You're going to get lied to. You're going to get taken advantage of. You're going to be persecuted. Your family's going to be persecuted. Your house might get burned down. Your church might get burned down. You might get shot at. I have. You might too. So don't sit here and feel sorry for yourself because you're not going to get it from me. Pick up your weapons. Put your helmet back on your head. Get out there and re-engage the enemy. And quit feeling sorry for yourself. If you want something easy, if you want something easy in life, I'll pray with you that you die and go home to be with Jesus. As you can imagine, they don't come back for counseling. They have gotten everything they need. Praise the Lord. But I tell them, look, you go do something for the Lord. You have a crusade. You win souls. You lay hands on people. What do you, what do you expect? The devil's just going to step aside and let you go do what you're going to go do? He is going to try to stop you. And if you're sitting here today and you get any measure of revelation knowledge, do you understand he's going to try and take it away as fast as he possibly can before the tree gathers the roots? You know, when you plant a tree on Tuesday, if you found out you put it in the wrong part of the yard, you can pull it up on Thursday with no problem and relocate the tree. But if you plant the tree on Tuesday and wait a year and then try to decide to move it, you've got problems because you've given that tree time to drive its roots deep. Okay, that's why the devil comes immediately. Okay, that's why when churches like this one make a choice to be players and not just spectators, some Sunday morning social club somewhere, when we want to make a difference for the Lord, for the life that we have and the country we are responsible to protect, which is our country, by the way, okay, when we decide to be players and not just spectators and commentators and critics, the devil is going to try to shut this church down. And if you're a part of it, he'll try to shut you down on the same day, okay? Expect the attacks when revelation knowledge has been given and received. If you, come, if you walk away with something today, expect the devil to do what he has to do to try and take it away, okay? That's the first takeaway from this. Secondly, which is what I mentioned earlier, they took him as he was. He was exhausted. Have you discovered, like I have, that many times the devil waits, if he doesn't try to come at you immediately, he backs up for plan B, and that's to wait until we become spiritually exhausted, spiritually spent. We've studied, we've stood in faith, we're standing in faith for healing, we're standing in faith for money to pay our bills, we're doing what we need to do, but the, the time element becomes something, it becomes a factor. We start to waver, we start to wonder, well now, wait a minute, you know, um, the, the Bible says this, but I don't see what's happening here. I'm confessing for scripture, but I don't see the money that I need to pay my bills. I don't see the healing that I, that I believe in the Bible is mine, but where's my healing? I'm still, I still have symptoms. I still, the doctor still tells me that there's things that they see in my body that shouldn't be there and all of this. And see, when that happens, spiritual exhaustion begins to set in. People start getting tired. Okay? You have to understand, sometimes the, the, the fights of faith last longer than we anticipated. They last longer than we expected. And when that happens, Satan will try to take advantage of it. Remember, when Jesus went into the desert, he fasted, no water, no food for 40 days. Now, see, you can fast physically, you can fast without food for 40 days. 
But you can't fast without water for 40 days. That's supernatural. He was out there. He was supernaturally protected by the Lord. 40 days of fasting. No water, no food in the desert. Okay, and at that point, the Bible says he hungered. Okay, you can go back and read it from Matthew 4 and Luke 4. They, they will they share it with you. The Bible says after 40 days he hungered. See, when he started the fast, okay, the body began to adjust. Okay, physically. Physically speaking, you know, 40 days. But then when hunger comes back, that's when starvation sets in. When the hunger returns, that's when the body starts feeding on itself. That's when starvation happens. And that's when the devil was waiting for that to happen. And then when that happened, he showed up with his three attempts to derail Jesus through sin. And the first one of the three was, if you are the Son of God, command these stones to become bread. The first of the three was about food. Because he knew that Jesus was beginning to hunger. Okay? After 40 days. Okay? But what that tells me is this. Even on our worst day, when we've been exhausted, when we're tired of praying, when we're tired of confessing the Scriptures, when we're tired of declaring who we are in Christ, and all of the things that we're told to do, but things just aren't happening as fast as we would like them to, the devil comes along and then hits us with another one. Another blindsided attack of some kind. You're thinking, what else can happen here today? Anybody know what you're talking about, or am I the only one? It's like, what's, what's next? Okay? You've got to understand, even though you may feel exhausted, the Word of God is still what the Word of God says. It is a sharp two-edged sword, and it will move mountains if you continue to apply the force of faith to move that mountain. If that doesn't take place, Jesus is a liar, and we know that He isn't. Amen? If, I'm, if my mountain is not moving as fast as I need for that mountain to move out in front of me, I need to go to the Lord and say, where am I missing it? What am I not doing? Or what am I doing that is blocking the flow here? Okay, because how many know that it's never God's problem? Somewhere along the way, I'm blocking the flow. Somewhere along the way, I've cut off the Lord, either with the words I'm speaking, the thoughts I'm thinking, what I'm looking at, what I'm doing, once again, those four things, something is amiss, and I need to make my adjustments. Okay? Praise the Lord. So even when you're exhausted, don't be, don't be um, discouraged. Okay? Hang in there. Some of the things we've stood in faith for it took years. In one particular case, 17 years. I'm thinking of one in particular. Okay, we built a four-story dormitory in the Philippines. It can it can house a thousand people, but that building was started in 1992 and it wasn't finished until 2013. And I would sit there and look at the pillars in the ground and the steel beams going up, and the devil would laugh at me and say, "This thing's never going to get finished," because the Lord told me, "Don't you borrow money for this? I'm going to tell you, you pay cash for this. You don't go to some bank and get the money. I'm telling you to believe me for the money." Now, there's nothing wrong with going and getting loans if God tells you to do it home mortgage loans and all kinds of things. If God tells you to do it, go do it. And he'll make the monthly payments for us. But in my particular case, he said, I don't want you borrowing money for this. You trust me. And it took us all these years to finish it. And there were many times when I looked in the thing, you know, totally unfinished and all of this, and the, the devil's sitting on my shoulder laughing at me. And he said, you'll never finish this building. Look at how much money it costs. And look at your income. And look at blah, blah, blah. And I kept saying, this building is finished in Jesus' name. I just can't see it yet, but it's done. Well, it is done now. Praise the Lord. And we don't owe anybody one dime on this building. Praise God. It's ours, and God can do, use it the way He wants. Okay? Praise the Lord. All right. Here's another thing. 
Verse number 36. When they had left the multitude, they took him along in the boat as he was. And look at this. In the end of verse 36, and other little boats were also with him. Do you see that? When he left the shore, his boat was not the only one. There were other little boats, smaller boats, with him. There's no record, there's no mention that those other little boats made it to the other side. When the great windstorm came, what happened to the other little boats? Where'd they go? Two things. Either they sank, because the Bible says the Lord's boat was filling up with water. That's why they were panicking. They, they thought this thing is going to sink because of the waves. So if the bigger boat is almost sinking, what about the little boats? So either those boats sank, or they turned around and went back. But they didn't make it to the other side. Okay? What this speaks to me about is what I call fair-weather Christians. They who love the Lord as long as their bills are paid, as long as their body feels great, as long as their family affairs are in order, as long as their marriage is wonderful and all of this, okay, they're, they're, they're there for you. On the front row, you know, praising God. But everything falls apart when they lose their job, when they get COVID, or when they, whatever comes down the road, something unexpected, okay, they start to falter. Listen, I've seen them go. I've been in your church for many, many years. There's a lot of people that used to be in this church, and they're not anymore. He'll tell you. Okay, and I know of some of them. Okay, some of them went on that tour. Okay, years and years ago in the Philippines. They went on the tour. They're not even in the church. And he can tell you where they are. A lot of them aren't where they should be. They go, people go from the first row to the fourth row to the seventh row to the back row and out the door over time. Okay, if the devil can't wipe you out in one fell swoop, he, he, he nips and chips away at our foundation with little things that bring us to a place where we make the final decision to say bye-bye to the church and bye-bye to Jesus and back in the world we go. It didn't just happen. It happens over time. Okay? When the storms come. Okay? The little boats. Okay? They all took off to go with Jesus. Yeah, man, we're going to follow him to the other side of the lake. But when the storm showed up, they were not prepared to make it through the storm. And either they sank out there in the middle of the lake or they went back. But the point is, I'm not going to be one of those guys. I'm not going to be one of those little boats. How about you? If you put your hand to the plow, what did Jesus say? If you put your hand to the plow and look back, you're not fit for the kingdom of God. And I've met a lot of people who started out with their hand to the plow. They didn't make it to the finish line. There's an empty chair where they used to sit and they're, out, they're back in the bar. They're back looking at the pornography. They're back doing all those things they used to do before they got set free by God. Okay? Just because you're Got your act together today does not mean you'll have your act together at this time next year. You have to stay sharp every single day. You have to read your Bible. You have to stay in church. You have to listen to the Word of God. You can't cruise on last year's revelation. That's, that's yesterday's manna. You need fresh manna today. Okay? I can't cruise on land. I can, I can draw encouragement from the fights of faith that were victorious in the past. I can be encouraged by that. But today's fight is something different altogether, and I need to address it as such. Praise the Lord. Little boats. Okay, and then number four, we've alluded to this in verse 37, a great windstorm arose. Matthew's account uses the word suddenly. 
He said, suddenly this thing popped up. It's like these thunderstorms in the summertime in Nebraska, in Arizona, you know, the monsoons down there. These storms pop up in a matter of 60 minutes. You've got, you went from nothing to this huge thundercloud. Okay, I've seen them. You know, it, they just explode in the sky. Okay, suddenly, they're crossing the lake. They started out, things are good. But suddenly, this giant windstorm, great windstorm. Please notice it's a windstorm, not a rainstorm. It didn't say a rainstorm. It said a great windstorm arose. Suddenly. Why? Because the devil knows who's in the boat. He knows who's in the boat. Not, is, not just is Jesus in the boat, but all his, his hand-picked disciples. They're in the boat too. He figures if I can take them all out one, one opportunity, this is a great time to do it. He puts together this storm. Now, a lot of these people in the boat were professional fishermen. They had been out on the lake many times during storms. They'd seen them come and go. They knew about rain and wind and so forth. But this storm was different. It was a great windstorm. This was something they'd never seen before. They were terrified of this. Okay, and I can tell you, once again, experiences in the Philippines, it's an island nation, 7,100 islands. So if you're traveling for the Lord like I do, and you're traveling in country like I do, you're going from island to island. So you're either flying or you're taking boats. Now in the early days, when we didn't have much money, we took the boats. Okay, and these, this is not uh, Oasis of the Seas by Royal Caribbean. We're not talking about, you know, carnival cruise here. Okay, no, we're talking about these old, beat-up, World War II surplus, you know, chug-along scows that are listing badly over to port side, moving along at one knot. Okay, that's what we're riding on, okay? And these boats travel at night. They load and unload cargo during the day. They reach the port, they unload the cargo during the day, then they load the cargo... And then by 4 or 5 p.m., the boat is loaded for the next voyage, and it leaves at about 8 o'clock at night with passengers like us and the cargo, and you're going from port A to port B. You're going through the islands in the dark. Okay? When you're in, in where we are and where we go, you'll, you'll hug the coastline for about three and a half hours. If you leave at 8 o'clock, you'll be hugging the coastline for about three and a half hours until somewhere on 11.30 or midnight. And you can see the lights of the shoreline and, and so forth. But then you get out into the open ocean for the next, about the next four hours. Open ocean. And that's when the waves get big. And the wind kicks up. Okay? And the wind is what creates the waves. Okay? And these, these boats, they're not designed for this. Okay? So you've got people on the boat. And I mean the waves are coming in. And you can't see them because it's dark. Okay? You can't see the shoreline. You can't see a horizon line. You can't see anything but black out beyond the light of the ship, about three meters out, and that's all you can see. After that, it's dark. You can't see a sky if there's no moon at night. There's nothing. Okay, they're up in the boathouse. They're charting their course by time and speed. Okay, so and so, such and such a speed for 37 minutes that we turn course because they can't see the islands. They're flying, they're, they're navigating by faith up there in the boathouse. But when the waves come in, okay, and the waves start pitching the ship, it's going over like this, and it's going over like that, and then the crest of the wave comes in, and the, when the crest of the wave hits the, hits the hull of the ship sideways, the whole thing, it, it sounds like a bomb goes off. It, it hits the wave, it, the wave hits the ship, and it goes boom! The whole thing shakes. 
and it's going over like this, and people are screaming, and they're fighting for life preservers. And, all, and let me tell you, and they all, and I, I've learned enough, you know, don't eat before you get on this boat. But I see all these people, you know, chowing down on barbecue chicken at the pier, you know, just having at it. Man, all that chicken's coming up three hours later. You know, the bottles are rolling from one side to the other. People are hanging on to the railings. They're hanging on to the everything. I mean, the Catholics are praying. It's mostly Catholics on the ship, you know, and they're whipping out those rosary beads, honey. And I'm telling you, it's like, because I'm a former Catholic, so I know where they're going with this. You know, Hail Mary, for the grace of the Lord's with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed through thee. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners. Now in the day of our death, amen. <laughs> and I mean, they're going through those rosary beads. You know, this be- the beads are smoking. <laughs> Hail Mary. Oh, my God. I mean, nobody's sleeping on this ship. Praise the Lord. The great windstorm, larger than life. Okay? You can't see the wind, but you can see the results of it. Okay? What does that tell us? Our enemies are spirits. You really want to make a difference? Understand who your enemy really is. They are spirits, unseen. You can't see them. But they create things that you do see. They create problems that you do have to deal with. Okay? They use people that you can see, but the people are not the problem. The people are just being used. COVID-19 is a classic example. That was not invented and perpetrated upon the world by Chinese people, the Chinese communists. They were used by the devil. The purpose of COVID was to shut down the Great Commission. And the devil, in a large part, was very successful with it. Okay? What happened? Churches were closed. Missionaries couldn't travel. You had to wear your masks and all of this stuff. Why? Because of fear. What I call the fear virus. Okay? People were afraid. Well, for Christians, there's nothing to be afraid of. The Bible says our death is actually a promotion. We go to something better. Paul said, I'm in a strait betwixt the two. I have a desire to depart, which is to be with Christ, which is far better than hanging around down here with you clowns. But because God needs me here, I stick around. But if I had my choice, I'd be out of here. Because I've seen heaven. I've been there. And it's a whole lot better than this down here. Okay? Great windstorm. Spiritual attacks come from the unseen realm. If you want to really make a difference, if you've got unsaved relatives, go after the spirits controlling them. If you've got children not serving the Lord, you don't know where they are today, taking drugs, disappeared, you don't know where they are, go after the spirits that are controlling them. Alright? You don't like the way your house is right now, go after the spirits that are trying to wreck your home, wreck your family, wreck your marriage. Okay? They're using people. But the people are not necessarily the problem per se. It's the spirits controlling them. And only the Christian can go where no one else can go to attack in the spirit realm with the name of Jesus and force these spirits to back off. Are you listening? The Marines can't do it. The Special Forces people can't do it. The Army can't do it. The Christians can do it, and we're the only ones who can do it. Okay? We're the only ones that can do it. So, if you know, listen, if things aren't right in your life, then take, take authority over your life. I can stand with you, I can agree with you, but it's your life. It's your responsibility. Okay? I tell the devil, you're not having my kids. There have been times when they've been doing things, and I'm thinking, hmm, okay, they're not where they're supposed to be, doing what they're supposed to be doing. So I go after the devil who's you know, manifesting in their lives. And I declare, my kids are going to spend eternity with me in heaven. 
We didn't, we didn't create these kids so they can be lost in hell. They're not going there. They're under my authority in the name of Jesus, and I'm telling the devil, you take your hands off my kids in Jesus' name. Get out. You have no right to remain. And I stay steadfast with that until I see the results. And in some cases, the results took 15 years. But sooner or later, you can outlast the devil. Amen. All right, point five. The boat began to sink. Notice it says in verse 37, A great windstorm arose. The waves beat into the boat so that it was already filling. It was filling up, but it was not yet filled to the point where it sank. Okay, this talks about hope. Hope. Hope is the mental picture of victory. You have to see your children serving the Lord. You have to see your marriage the way God designed for it to be. You have to see your bank account full of money, enough money to pay your bills, and have enough left over to give generously to God. You have to see it, even though when you look at the bank statement it says zero balance, or you know negative balance. You have to look at it and say, I don't receive that in the name of Jesus. I will come to a place in my life where I'm working from the excess of my life. Praise God. I'm going to give because I can give out of the abundance of my heart. I don't have to sit here and say, I'd love to give, but I can't give. Or I'd love to do this, but I can't. Whatever the case may be. I have to put in my mind a mental picture of what Jesus died to provide. Your imagination. Again, what you think. What are you thinking? Okay? If the doctor's telling you that they found some kind of mass, some kind of growth, some kind of whatever, how are you going to handle that? You're going to sit there and listen to these people until fear takes over in your life? Or are you going to sit there and say, thank you, I appreciate all you're trying to do, but I have inside information by the stripes of Jesus I was healed, and that's what I'm standing on, and that's what I declare, and you'll come to see it for yourself. And they'll stare at you like they just got off the bus from Mars. They don't, they don't understand. They, they, will, they, will, they will never understand this stuff. It's not for them to understand. It's for us to understand. We understand what's going on. Amen? You won't hear this in most churches. You go to most churches, you probably drove past a half a dozen churches to get to this one, and I would bet money that they have, they never hear a message like this. They never understand what's going on. They're just people, bodies, and chairs. Thank God that you have a church where you can hear the Word of God uncompromised. All right, That boat was sinking, but it was not yet sunk. What is faith? Faith is the substance of things hoped for. You want to use your faith? You better have a hope. You better have a mental picture of something you're believing for, something you're using your faith for. Okay? Specific amounts of money. Okay? You ought to sit down and figure it out. How much does it take to pay off my mortgage? How much does it take to pay off my car payment? How much does it take to... To, to fund my children's education. How much does it take? And write it out and give it to God. Here's what I need. This is what I need to function. This is what I need to give and to give abundantly and I claim and declare it in the name of Jesus. Get specific about it. Okay? Don't let your boat sink just because it looks like things aren't happening. Because God is always at work. Okay? Like Abraham. He, he uh, the Bible says he hoped against hope. God showed up when Abraham was almost 100 years old. Okay? Now, have you met people that are almost 100 years old? You have no, do you know anybody? You know, grandparents, grand, great, 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 grandparents. People who are almost 100 don't give birth to children. When the wife is 90, 
Okay? The Bible says Abraham looked at his wife. In the Greek it says he did not consider. He looked at her and said, Wow. There's no way here. But God said it. So he started walking around saying, My name is no longer Abram. God has changed it. I'm now Abraham, which means father of many nations. And you can, you can imagine what the neighbors had to say about that one. Okay, what do you mean you're the father of many nations? You're not even, look at you. You and your wife haven't ever had a kid. And you're the father of many nations? Abram. No, 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 don't call me Abram. Abraham, please. And Sarai, no more. Call her Sarah. You know, Sarah, when she heard it, she started laughing. She thought this was a joke. But Abraham said, no, the Bible, God said, not the Bible, but God said, at this time next year, you're going to have a baby. So let's go into the tent and have some happy times. Well, they did, and he did, and God did. Praise the Lord. Okay, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Okay, and he said, you know, check out all the stars in the sky. Check out all the granules on the beaches of the world. That's how, number, that's how your descendants will be numbered. From a guy who's almost 100 years old. It says he hoped against hope. Okay? Maybe you're here today and your boat is sinking. And it does look like it's going to go under. And it is filling up with water. Turn it around in the name of Jesus and start changing what you say and believe for the impossible in your life. Because Jesus said, all things are possible to him who believes. He didn't say most things. He said all things. Neither it's all things or he's a liar. And we know he's not a liar. So if the things aren't happening, then again, we draw back, we fall back, we ask for further information. Where are we missing it? And God will make the adjustments in our life and help us to right the boat. Okay? Praise the Lord. Okay. And here's another one. The next point. Point number six. In the midst of all of this, Jesus was sleeping. Like I said a few minutes ago, when I'm in the boat and they're going through these rough waters out in the middle of the ocean, in the dark, in the Philippines, with thousands of people screaming, hanging on for dear life, throwing up and so forth, nobody is sleeping. Okay? I'm praying in tongues. Okay? Because the fear is palpable. I mean, you talk about fear on that ship. I mean, everybody thinks it's going down. In the Philippines, they, you know, do you realize that the greatest naval disaster in history happened in the Philippines? Not the Titanic. Okay? A crash on a boat that I was actually on about two weeks before the boat went down. It collided. A passenger ship collided with an oil tanker in the middle of the ocean and 3,700 people died. The Titanic, 1,200 plus people died on the Titanic. This one, 3,700 people drowned. Okay, the ship hit the tanker, the tanker exploded, and within a matter of minutes, the whole, both ships sank and all these people drowned. In the Philippines. Okay, so I can tell you, okay, nobody sleeps when you're going through these rough waters. Jesus is in the back of the boat sleeping. You can come to a place in your life, I believe, where no matter what's going on in your life, you can sleep through it all in the name of Jesus, completely confident that God is going to take you where you need to go. He's going to give you what you need to have. He's going to take and, and, and fix whatever need, needs to be fixed. He was so at peace. He just did this. Remember what he said in several places. He said, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Okay? He said, my peace I leave with you. Okay? The devil could never steal his peace. Okay? 
And he said, my peace I'm giving to you. Let me ask you, do you walk with that kind of peace? Okay. In America right now, there are so many ungodly elements going on trying to destroy this country. Would you agree with me that they're everywhere? They've been entrenched in this system. of It, it is a system of deception. It's not just deception. It's a system of deception, which has been entrenched in our country for since the 30s, at least 1930s. They've been planting this and planning this for 80, 90, 100 years. Okay, These people are entrenched in the judiciary, academia, entertainment, politics, government. They're all in there. They've weaseled their way in. Only a move of God can save this country. And guess who he turns to for the body of Christ to do our part? What did he say? If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and repent and do all these other things, Second Chronicles 7.14, then, 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 then I will heal this country and do what needs to be done to turn this mess around. This country is sick. Are you listening? Yeah, it's sick. Very sick. But so what? We can save it for a season. We can save it for a season. Not forever. Because it has to disappear. You understand eschatology? You understand end times? This country has to disappear because you can't have a one world government with the United States in the way. That's why everything that's happening is happening. Okay? But at the same time, you know, when I, when I see all of this, my point to you right now is I get so angry. I'm a very patriotic person. I love this country because not just is it my home country, but it's the greatest missionary country in the world. It has sent more missionaries, paid for more missionaries, done more things to, to, to spread the gospel than any country in history. It's the greatest country that has ever been formed in history. Okay? It's God's hand is upon this country, or was, and still is because of the radical remnant. But the point is, I see all of this and I get so angry. My, my go-to verse, or verses, vengeance is God's, He will repay. These people don't get away with anything. They think they get away with things, but they don't. They'll answer to God. Amen. Amen. So we do our part. We stand in the gap. We believe for things to change. And after that, I'm at peace. And every time I turn on the TV, well, I don't turn on the TV, but, you know, social media and all of this stuff, all the garbage that you hear every single day, you get so angry. But I have to step back and say, you know what? Okay. Peace. Peace. I'm at peace. I'm okay. Praise the Lord. Everything will be all right. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus was sleeping. We need to just have that kind of peace in our life like it was in His during the storm. Number seven, moving on. When He woke up, He was surrounded by panic and fear. The disciples shook, they had that shake Him to wake Him. He was that tired. They shook Him up in the middle of the storm, and said, Don't you care? Look at the storm, Lord. Look at the water in the boat. Look at this. We're going down. Don't you care? Sounds like many Christians. Don't you care, Lord? I love you oh so much. Yes, but, you know, what's this happening to me? Why, oh Lord, why? Don't you care? Feeling sorry for yourself. Okay? That's what they were doing. Okay? When you're surrounded by people... With no faith, filled with fear, you have to be different. You have to be like Paul in his boat experience, Acts 27. He got out into the middle of the Mediterranean too, in a boat. 
and we don't have time to turn there, but he was out there for two weeks in a, sh- in a storm. You know, when you fly in airplanes, you go through rough, rough skies, you might get into some heavy turbulence for a half hour or 40 minutes or something, and then you fly through it, or you fly above it, or you drop down below it. But when you're out in the open ocean and you get into these storms, there's nowhere to go. You can't get off the ship. Okay, like I said, and Paul was in that boat, if you read back in the book of Acts, he was in this storm for at least two weeks. Two weeks. And the Bible says all hope that the sailors and the the passengers on the ship, all hope that we would be saved was taken. They thought they'd never see land again. The, The ship was being broken up by the violence of the waves and the wind. And in the middle of this, an angel appears to Paul. And he's in the boat. The boat's being pitched all over the sky, all over the water, and the angel shows up. and says, don't worry about it. Your race is not yet run. You have a responsibility to stand before Caesar, and you will make it to dry land. You're not going to drown out here in the middle of the ocean. Be of good cheer. And he held on to that because the Bible says after the vision, the storm continued. He had a, heard, he had a word from God, but he still, the storm was still there. Okay? You need to come to a place where even when your relatives are all fearful, even when your friends are all fearful, you are different. You have to be different. This church has to be different. Okay? The people at work, they're all talking about all the difficulties. You be different. Don't buy into it all. Okay? When they, when they woke Jesus up, surrounded by screaming, we're going down. But what did he do next? He spoke. Point number eight, he spoke faith to the wind and to the sea. He said something. Remember what we talked about at the beginning of the message. Okay, things you think, things you see, things you say, things you do. Okay, what did he do? He didn't cry out to God. He didn't say, Father, notice, we are sinking. You told me, Lord, to cross to the other side, but we're not going to make it unless you do something here. He didn't do that. He just spoke to the wind. The cause of the problem was not the waves. It was the wind. He spoke to the wind. Okay? That represents the demonic forces that are at work in your life. And then he said to the sea, and the sea represents the people that the devil uses in your life. Okay? He spoke to the wind and said to the water, Peace be still. So you need to start talking to your problems so that your problems will respond to the things you say. When I'm pastoring, when I'm counseling my pastors, I'll say to them, what are you saying? You're sitting here talking to me about all the difficulties, the problems. You're talking about all the issues. What are you saying about all of this? Besides the fact that you're telling me that this is on, this is going on, this is going on. What are you saying about it? Because if you're not saying something that changes it, there's nothing I can say to help you. I'll agree with you. We'll we'll join together. But if you don't change what you're saying... There's nothing I can do to help you change the situation you're in here talking to me about. Okay? And God's talked to me many times because I'm, I'm just like you. I'm tempted to start mumbling and grumbling just like everybody else. And God will pull me aside and say, listen, why don't you just shut up? If you can't say something that gives me something to work with, shut up. Zip your lip. Because what's coming out your mouth is not giving me anything to work with. You're, having, you're handing the devil free ammunition. And if you give him free ammunition, he'll use it. Someone say amen. amen. 
Be a person of very selective conversation. Think before you speak. I'm, you know, listen, he talks to me the same way as I'm talking to you. He tells me, you know, would you just shut up? Would you just quit mumbling? Yeah, but he said, I told you what to say, and I told you what to do, and you're not saying it. So please, make your adjustments, and I'll do what needs to be done. If you change what you say, what you say will change what you see. But until you change what you say, I can't change what you see. So change. Make the difference. Make the adjustments. Amen. And last point. When he said crossover, basically we're talking about crossing over from fear to faith. Peace. Be still. Okay? If you're going through a rough time, the best place to go is to go to a church like this and listen to messages like this and then go into your prayer closet, read the verses, read the stories, find the verses that cover your situation and apply them in your life. Okay? This is how we get through. This is how we cross over. And remember at the beginning, this was a command to cross to the other side. So if, you know, as Pastor has mentioned and as I sense in my spirit, this church, and we've said this before, Okay, God has His hand on this church. Okay, this church has been here for 40 years, and the devil has tried his best in a number of ways, in a number of times, to try and take the church out. A lot of people used to be here, and they're not here anymore, but you're here. Amen? You're here. And there's great things that God wants to do through this church in the last days. We have to come up hither and commune with God at a higher level of thought, at a higher level of conversation, at a higher level of commitment. Amen? Amen. This is what I tell my pastors overseas. I demand excellence from you. Why? Because He demands excellence from me. So I demand it from you. And if you can't come up to this standard, you need to go hook up with some other organization because you can't stay here with me. There's just too much at stake. Heaven and hell forever is what we're dealing with here. There's no second chance. If you lose your soul, you're gone. I'm reminded, you know, I, I do bicycling. I do motorcycle riding and I do bicycling. And uh, there is a race in Tucson every year called El Tour de Tucson. It's a 110-mile-mile race. And I've done it three times. I don't do it anymore because it takes more, too much time to train for this. And I don't have that kind of time anymore. But I still ride my bike seriously. 35, 40 mile rides each week. Um, there was a young bikes, bicyclist training for the race, 25 years old. He goes out in the morning to, to train for the race. The race is coming up in a couple months. He's going to go out there and do wind sprints and do other things to get some aerobic you know, capacity uh, uh, developed in his, in his lungs and whatever. He's out there racing. And there, we do wind sprints where you do, you know, 30 seconds as hard as you can, then you drop back for a minute, you know, drop your heart rate, then 30 seconds as hard as you can. They're called wind sprints. Anyway, he's doing wind sprints. So to gather enough, you know, force on the pedals, you drop down and you drop your head, no wind resistance, and you're down into the, into the bars and drop to the handlebars, the, what we call the drops. And you're crouched down, and he's going for all these, going for everything he's got, doing his wind sprints. Because he had his head down, he didn't see where he was going. He goes around the corner. There was a car parked, just parked, and he plowed right into the back of the car at about 30 miles an hour, snapped his neck, and died. Just like that. He wakes up in the morning, training for a race, 
25 years old. His whole life is in front of him. He's a healthy person. He's going to run in this race. And, you know, little did that kid know that by the time noon rolls around, he is either in heaven or hell forever. That's how fast things change. That's how fast things can change in a person's life. Okay? If you're here today and you're not, you have not set for yourself a level of a level of excellence for yourself, you need to make that decision now. You can't leave the church thinking, well, I'll go do this when I'm ready, good and ready. No, 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 no. That's not how this works. Because remember, what I told you at the beginning, you've heard the word. You've heard the challenge. The devil's going to try to take you out. He's going to try to do something to just get you back to, you know, the norm, the way it once was, the Sunday morning Christianity, the double-mindedness and all of this stuff. You can't stay there anymore. Okay, we're at a place in this country where you have to step up and be, be made available for the Lord. You have to stand up and be counted. You can't just sit around and hope the devil leaves you alone. He is going to steamroll you if you do that. Don't let that happen to you or to your children or to your family. Set the bar high and expect the Lord to help you reach the bar that you set for yourself. Amen? Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for the word. Lord, help us to come to the other side of ordinary. We want to come to the other side of ordinary. We don't want to be ordinary anymore. We want to be extraordinary people, different. Like you, Lord. When they went to arrest you, they came back to the Pharisees, and when they said, where is Jesus, they they answered and said, no man speaks like this man. Lord, the way you spoke commanded their attention. The way you acted demanded their attention. Help us all to be different. Different than everybody else. I thank you, Lord. We move on from ordinary. We speak differently. We live differently. We expect great things from you. We move on from the other side of lazy. We're not lazy anymore. We're not lazy to pray. We're not lazy to read our Bible. We're not lazy to come to church. We know what's at stake. We understand the moment, the season, the lateness of the hour. How close is your return, Lord? We come to this place, the other side. We put our hand to the plow, Lord, and we will not look back. No, we're not looking back. We're not going to be like Lot's wife. Jesus, you quoted quoted about that. You talked about that in your sermons. You specifically mentioned Lot's wife, the one who turned back. When the angel said, don't look back, and she did. And Jesus, Lord, you used that as an example that you, you used in your sermons yourself. Help us not to be like that. Lord, help us to come to the other side of availability. Lord Jesus, you, talked, you, you taught about talents. You, you talked about a man with five talents. You talked about a man with two talents. And you talked about a man with one talent. And you said that you commended the one with five because they went out and made five more talents and you commended that person and you commended the person that had two talents and you said good job you did what I you, you took what I gave you and you did something with it enter on into the joy of the Lord and you commended him and then you ha- you talked about the guy with the one talent Lord and you said you rebuked him because he buried the talent for fear and gave it back to you Basically, he he took what you gave and did nothing with it and gave it back to you and you called him a wicked and a lazy servant. 
all of us in this room, Lord, have talents and giftings that we want you to use and develop for your glory. Young, old, educated, uneducated, it makes no difference. Employed, unemployed, it doesn't matter. Help us, Lord, to cross over to the other side. Today. Now. Not a year from now. But now. We thank you for this, Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus. I pray, Lord, that each of us in this church will understand the, the gravity of the situation and the magnitude of the moment and leave this place with a different mindset. Leave this place with a different mindset. Okay? It's just not all about us, friends. It's about all the people out there that don't know what we know. They're on their way to hell. And we need to do something about it. In our areas of influence. We're not the Savior. We're not the one that leads. We're not the ones that you know, help people get saved. We're the ones that present the message. We're the ones that show a life without compromise. We're the ones that set a standard for other people. And I thank you, Lord, that we'll understand this and see it for what it is. In Jesus' name. Heads bowed, eyes closed again. Here's the deal. If you're here today and you're right with God, you're born again, you're a child of God, good for you, good for you. If you're here as a child of God but you've been drifting, you're not where you used to be, you've taken up an offense, you're mad about something, you've drifted away, you come to church sometimes and sometimes you don't, and you read your Bible some days and some days you don't, and something like that. You, you know, you're not like you were when you first got saved, when everything was fresh and exciting. You couldn't wait to come to church. But if that's not you today, then you've been drifting, and you need to come back to your first love. Okay? Because here's the deal. God knows what's going on in your life. He knows. So does the devil. Okay? You can fool me. I can fool you. We can look like Pharisees on the outside, but in the, on the inside we can be like he described those people, full of dead men's bones. Charcoal. Black as coal on the inside. But on the outside, man, they look good. Church people. Well, if you're one of those people that are drifting, come on back to your first love today. And if this message resounds with you, come back to your first love and say, I'm done playing games with God. I know Pastor Mike and Kathy, they want to see this church grow. And that means they need your hands to hold up theirs. Moses had help. He had two people holding up his arms. Aaron and her. He couldn't do it by himself. He needed help. Okay? Everybody needs everybody else. So at the count of three, I'm going to count to three. When I reach three, if I'm talking to you, Put your hand up at the count of three. Don't look around. Nobody checking out whose hand is up and whose hand is not. All right, mind your own business. Just deal with your life right now, okay? If you're not right and you know you're not right, be, be smart and be, have enough sense to know it because God knows, so you're not fooling Him. If you need to come back to God the way it once was or if you've never made that choice. I was a Catholic. I was a good Catholic person. I went to Mass every Sunday. I did all those things they told me to do, but I wasn't born again. I was just a Catholic. You can be a Protestant, you can be a Methodist, you can be a Baptist, but you're not born again just because you got that label. 
Make sure you're right with God. All right? At the count of three. One, and remember, it's not a feeling. You're choosing. I'm going to get in the game and I'm going to be a player here. From now on. Okay? At the count of three. One. Two. Three. Hands up if I'm talking to you. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. At least ten. Eleven. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Put your hands down. Let's everybody stand. Everybody together. We've all been sitting for a little while. Thank you for being patient. Here's what we do. We make a declaration of intent. People call them altar calls. People call them salvation prayers. But really, it's none of the above. It's a declaration of intent. I am choosing to change my direction. I'm choosing to declare my destiny. I'm choosing to change the course of my life. And I do that with the words I speak. Okay? The Bible says, with our heart we believe, with our mouth we confess. Heart, mouth. We say something because we believe something. So that's what we're going to do. This is how we do our crusades in the Philippines. This is how we do them here. Okay? Everybody together. I'll step up here so I can see everybody. Okay? You're talking to Jesus. You're not talking to me. We're all talking to Him. And He's listening. Okay? He has a vested interest in you. He died just for you. He shed His blood for you. Okay? He wants you to be with Him forever in heaven. So make good on your declaration and think about what you're saying. Don't be thinking about where you're going to Dairy Queen after service. Never mind any of that stuff. Clear all of that out of your mind for now and think about who you're talking to. He's talk, you're talking to the Son of God and He's listening. So let's say this together. I'll lead everybody together to Him out loud. Now listen again. You can scream in a Nebraska football game. You can scream and shout and paint half your face red and half your face white. Or you can just sit there and watch. But my point is this. If people don't hesitate to act like fools at a football game or whatever... Raise your voice to God and get serious about what you're declaring to Him. Don't whisper this and hope the devil doesn't hear you. Let the devil hear you from five blocks away from where we are right now. Tell him, I'm done with you. I'm done with you. In my family, in my marriage, in my life, I'm finished with you. Get out of my house. Get out of my family. Get out of my marriage. Get out of my pocketbook. Get out of my bank accounts. You've no place here. Let's say this together, all right? Dear Lord Jesus, I come to you today and I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, that you died on a cross, paid for my sins, and rose from the dead. So today, I make my choice and I choose you. You are the central, focal, point of my life. You are my Lord and no one else. I serve you and you alone. I'm sorry for my sins. But right now, I receive total forgiveness and I am never looking back. Thank you, Lord, for saving me and believing in me and helping me. Amen. Amen. Now that's something to shout and thank God for. Let's lift our hands and thank Him. Father, we thank You and we praise You today.
Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. It's just a decision away, and we've made our choice in this place at this time for you. We're going to come up hither. We're going to be different. We're going to be usable. We're not going to be just bodies and chairs anymore. Help us to develop the gifts that you've placed in each and every one of us so that when we cross this lake, when we make the decision to leave the shore, we will get to the other side. And we will stand before you someday and we will hear you say, well done, good and faithful servant. That's what we want to hear. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Have a seat for just a minute. We're going to pray for people tonight. Okay? Lay hands on people this evening. There's another message I have in my heart to share. We talk about a particular congregation that God wants us all to be a part of. So please come back tonight. All right? Uh, make a point to come. All right? I never was able to lay hands on somebody that wasn't there. I never had a word for the person that didn't show up. Okay? So let, let God have your availability and let Him work with you. Okay? There's a couple things I want to mention to you. You saw the table out there when you were coming in. This is the book that I referred to. This is book number 10. Now, we've, we've written bigger books. But this one is small by design. You can read it in an hour or less. You can buy, some people buy 10 of these and pass them out to others. You can put it in your back pocket, put it in your purse, whatever. Crossing over. This is what we talked about today. This deals with commandments and the importance of moving to a place of, of availability, reliability, and effectiveness for God. Okay? You're going to cross over. You're going to be different. And you can read this in an hour. Okay? And there's other ones out there too. Determined faith, radical remnant, uh, mandate of must. All of them speak to this point. Okay? But like I said, I believe this is the best book I've ever put together. It's not big. It doesn't have to be big. It just needs to be, you know, a home run at the time when one needs to be hit. This one, we talked about hope. If you don't have this book, I just reread this. And I thought to myself, man, this is a good book. Who wrote this thing? Seriously, I hadn't read it in a couple. I haven't. I didn't read it in a couple years, and I pulled it back out and read it. It's really a good book on hope. If you don't have it, I'd recommend it to you. You need to clear your mind and get something up in there that God can work with. That's hope. It's called a helmet. Helmets protect the head. Okay, so that is there. And we're fundraising for the Philippines. If you want to help us win souls. We have these t-shirts. I just brought one up here to show you. You saw them out there hanging up on the wall there. This guy, this is a small size. We've got all the sizes there. Be strong, stay strong. That's on the front and on the back. It's got the verse quoted. Be watchful, stand firm in the faith, act like men, be strong. Now, ladies, you can do this too. You, can, you don't have to act like a man, but act like a woman of God in the name of Jesus. But the point is, if you want to help us, you know, get one of these and wear it and uh, help us win souls at the same time, okay? So, did anybody get something today that they can use, something they can take home and work with? Good. That's the purpose for this. Amen. And tonight...